1: Hello and welcome to the Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and wonders what it would take for our billionaire owner to give us a massive payout to go away, even though technically we're doing rather well. I'm Kevin Day, and he is Liverpool University's Kieran maguire It's it's Newsday, Kieran. Um, and we're recording this on Wednesday and I know you're anxious to get away to see what you described as a sex pointer in your various in your, <laughs> in your, in your WhatsApp message uh, uh, but obviously there's, there's only one place we can start really it's Chelsea and Roman Abramovich can afford it Kieran but how much is sacking Frank Lampard going to cost him well, I don't think it's actually cost too much
0: because Lampard had a two-year contract with an option for the third year. So therefore, there's only six months remaining on his contract. Uh, he was estimated to be on eight million a year. So, uh, by, by Abramovich standards, this is actually going to work out quite cheap. It should be only four to five million. Oh, okay. Um, Lampard, Frank Lampard's uh, team is some, some of the team will have gone as well. Uh, but but I, I I got into my uh, I got into my big calculator I, I got into my spreadsheet and I went through all of the Chelsea accounts since two thousand and three when Abramovich took over and uh, he is the classic trophy asset owner in, in that it he can just get rid of these people and it, and it doesn't register on, on the radar as far as he is concerned but it's come out as total payoffs. Of a hundred and ten million pounds wow. for the likes of you know, Mourinho twice, Di Matteo, yeah. Conte, Scolari, y- you name it—and um, and he just does it every time with, without blinking.
1: Yeah, and he—I mean, that's how much he costs to get rid of Lampard. I mean, Tuchel's going to be costing him a, a lot of money, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, he'll 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 be on a big contract. Um, And and he's just been sacked himself. So there is this this merry-go-round in terms of managerial activity. Uh, But uh, I I, I don't see that Abramovich will see it uh, as being a challenge to him. Um, And there's, there's been lots of talk about the Chelsea model that since Abramovich arrived, they've won more trophies than any other club, despite... I think he's on the 13th manager since 2003 uh, as a means of trying to justify the treatment. But if you take a look at some of the other numbers, Chelsea have spent half a billion more pounds on players in terms of wages and and transfers than any other club in, in the Premier League. Um, since since Abramovich arrived, and given that they they're competing with Manchester United and Manchester City and Liverpool and and, and Arsenal and so on, uh, you know, to to be that far ahead of a spend, if you didn't win a stack full of trophies, it it would have been absolutely crazy. It's it's a bit like you know going into a raffle and and there's there's twenty prizes and you buy nineteen of the tickets.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, much as we love Guy, and we do, we love you, Guy. He's not listening. doesn't. We can say what we want about him. But I'm actually thinking of asking Roman Abramovich if he fancies buying his own podcast. Because it's, it's it's not a bad business plan, is it, really? Because I, I would love to go into a job knowing that whatever happens in two years' time, I'm going to get sacked with a shed load of money.
0: <laughs> it, it, I think it's a perfect business plan. Um, I, I don't know why I don't teach it myself at business school.
1: <laughs> now, can you, Kieran, do me a favour? because Palace fans won't take it from me. I've tried, I've tried to tell Palace fans by various media outlets, but those optimistic Palace fans that are saying, well, now's the obvious time for us to get Frank Lampard, can you just break it to them gently that we probably can't afford him? Um...
0: I think you'd have to come up with a with a, with a good package. Remember, he he did take his first job at Derby County, so I think he is willing to uh, get his feet dirty uh, at a club. Clearly, it, it won't be too far a journey for him coming into work. So there are positives, um, but I'm sure when I last checked, you, you already had a manager.
1: Yeah, we do. I'm talking about provisionally in case... <laughs> yeah, well, again, that was another of the social media discussions last night, Kieran, because as you'll, you'll guess, there are certain elements of the Paddy support that think we should have a different manager. Uh, and there is quite a few of them said, I'd rather have Christine Lampard than the current manager we do have. Um, <laughs> Abramovich, yeah, we we half-jokingly to say that Abramovich can afford, of course, to sack managers. Conversely, are, are there clubs in the Premier League that can't afford to do that, Kieran? And I'm thinking specifically of of Newcastle who most of whose fans i guess would happily see the back of Steve Bruce but is that a club where they they simply can't afford to spend the, the sort of money it would take to a get rid of him and b bring in a new manager um i
0: i i don't think so i i think mike ashley who who is a very shrewd guy has realized that because steve bruce is so unpopular on on tyneside that uh, he takes all the flak. He's actually taking a lot of the heat that should really be going at at, at Mike Ashley. So, so Mike Ashley is is uh, is using Steve Bruce as a glorified airbag um, in order to. Uh, just, so he, he's not too bothered, provided they don't go down, and uh, you know Mike Ashley will be perfectly happy with seventeenth. Um, they're not. They're not investing huge sums in the squad. They're still getting the the TV money from from the Premier League. You know, for, from his point of view, that business model works quite well.
1: Mm. Uh, the Bank of England, Kieran, as we know, have been splashing money about left, right, and centre to anybody who asks for it. It seems, and the AFL are the latest football organisation in talks to borrow from the Bank of England, from specifically their COVID lending facility.
0: Yes, this one this one's a strange one because if you go into the uh, the Bank of England website and and look at the details as to as to who qualifies, it's got to be a company which has a, a good reputation. It's got to have proven itself financially historically um it, it's got to be protecting jobs and and the efl directly doesn't seem to qualify on this mm. basis because all it does it act, it acts as a collecting house it, it gets the money from the tv deal it gets the money from from the premier league in the form of solidarity payments and, and then it and then it doles it out um So given that the, the clubs in the, in the championship and, and and quite a few in the rest of the EFL historically have lost money hand over fist, I, I'm not sure how, how it would qualify as being a low risk, uh, a low risk lend to organizations which have proven themselves to be financially secure pre COVID. Um, but sort of delving into this a little bit further, um, it could be that what the, what the EFL will do is to use the Premier League itself and that the Premier League's guarantee of payments from the Premier League TV deal, which, which filters through to the EFL uh, in, in what we refer to as solidarity payments and, and possibly parachute payments as well and say, well, look, you know, the, the money is definitely going to come come in. And, and a bit like the way that some of the, the lenders uh, in terms of we've seen the likes of Leicester and Southampton and so on have said, uh, we we will guarantee you the, the TV money for, as soon as it's received by us. The EFL will do that with, with the solidarity payments and, and then the Premier League will pay the interest. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Um, it, it, it my gut reaction is that it didn't seem to be the purpose of of the COVID loans. But as we've seen with many issues to do with COVID and the way that money's been distributed, uh, it doesn't necessarily go to where you thought it would uh, would originally do so.
1: Mm, I've tried that argument with Nat West. The money's coming in. Uh, You you might as well be talking to Mount Rushmore, basically. He's like, nothing. Really. I I really would not play poker with my chap at Nat West Bank. He's got a hard Zoom face. Um, You you sort of answered this, Kieran, but one of the backup questions I I wrote uh, last night is, it must be harder for a league than a club to borrow money because, as you say, it's, it's... it's it's a very strange corporate identity, isn't it? Like basically, you're lending the money to seventy two different members of this club, aren't you? In a sense,
0: yes, yes. I, I guess the only advantage is that the way that the EFL operates is that it is a collecting house and if the bank of england says well from whom are you collecting the money and they're collecting the money from the premier league which in turn is collecting the money from sky and bt and amazon who who are pretty blue chip then uh the the bank of england might take a more relaxed approach the problem is if it if the if the EFL doesn't borrow from the Bank of England and I think the Bank of England is lending at half a percent does it then go to the likes of Macquarie and MSD uh, who are owned by you know Michael Dell's organization who are are lending at much higher rates and that means uh, you know the Premier League which which appears to be operating sort of as the the bank of mum and dad in this in the sense that it, it's guaranteed to pay the interest on the loans it ends up having to pay out more money because the, the Bank of England won't lend at at 0% or close to 0% and instead you have to go to these other borrowers who are, who are lending at 9, 10 and 11.
1: And what do the AFL say? I mean, I, I imagine it's a much more complicated process. It's not just a piece of paper that you download uh, with a couple of questions, but there, there will be somewhere along the line, somebody asking the question, what is the purpose of this loan? What do, what do the, the AFL say? Tiding us over? is helping all the clubs and what you know what what are they asking for the money for
0: well the the covid loan criteria is that the the money is to cover um loss of revenues Directly as a result of COVID, so clearly football clubs who are having to uh, pay their employees whilst at the same time they're unable to generate money through one of their key revenue earners, which is the turnstiles. Um, I think they would qualify on that basis if, if, the Premier, if the EFL can go to the uh, the Bank of England and say, "Well, th- this this is the rationale behind it." And remember, the Bank of England has already lent to, to Spurs to Arsenal, Mm. and to the Football Association itself. And what does the Football Association do? It it, it hosts some matches at Wembley um, and and chooses the colour for the England shirt. Um, And and those three between them have borrowed £470 Yeah,
1: you, you would hope that the EFL gets the money if it helps clubs to survive this. But we know from experience, Kieran, what we're almost guaranteed, as we saw in the National League, is an almighty row over how the money's distributed anyway, isn't it? So we'll keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Now, this next story seems to have infuriated Twitter. Let's face it, that takes a lot of doing. It? <laughs> wow, it takes a lot to get Twitter worked up, doesn't it? The, the president of Fenerbahce have asked, has asked fans to help fund Mesut Ozil's £13 million salary. He's asking the wrong fans. He's should probably ask Arsenal fans. He'd make a lot more. <laughs> um, yes. But as Twitter points out, Kieran, this looks like a club buying a player who they simply couldn't afford to buy and pay wages to.
0: Yes, uh Fenerbahce are currently 460 million pounds in debt. Whoa. So under those circumstances, um you would normally look to cut your out- outgoings. Uh, instead, uh Ozil has been released from his contract. Now, I I I'm assuming here that there's going to be some form of payoff from Arsenal hmm. that they're going to pay they say we're we'll give you 80% of your wages and and sod off. Um, and that way we're going to save a bit of money, given that he was on eighteen million pounds a year he's only six months of his contract remaining if if they can save themselves a million or two with with a with a partial payment then then that's fine um he's going to be on on a fraction of his arsenal wage if the figures in the press are correct uh, the, the the papers are saying that he's only going to be earning three and a half million pounds a year. Dear now, Lord, yeah, really? let's face it, Kevin. You and I, we, we wouldn't get out of bed for that. So, so you can f- understand there's I, an element of sympathy there.
1: I don't think I generally don't think I could get by on that, Kieran. To be honest, no, no, no. I, I really don't. How Guy manages on just the four million pound a year is beyond me, frankly.
0: <laughs> so, so what Fenerbahce have done, um, and the the interest in Ozil was. Was absolutely staggering, you know, that they quoted that they were signing him, um, and then some Turkish Fenerbahce fans managed to identify the the private airplane that he was on. <laughs> and, and as you know, these websites where you can actually track individual flights. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. they were doing it. it. It's a bit like on, on Christmas Eve when you can follow Santa Claus, uh, you know, uh, delivering pu- delivering presents to all the good boys and girls as, as he goes across the planet. And, and it, it, was, it was huge interest. Um, and now, what Fenerbahce have done, and you've got to admire this in terms of barefaced cheek. They've uh, they've said that can fans text in financial support at two pounds a pop. Wow. Um, yeah, which which is staggering. I Me mean, Fenerbahce has uh, you know incredible support, uh, not only locally but but also internationally, as, as as many Turkish clubs do. But to to ask the fans who who already you know they will have bought merchandise they will have uh, they will have paid for their tv subscriptions to be to be contributing towards a player's wage um as, as you as you correctly suggested at the beginning of this conversation why did they sign him in the first place if they're not confident of being able to pay the wages
1: mm. i have uh nothing but admiration for turkish football fans especially since graham soon once told me that the only people he was scared of was Turkish football fans. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told us a couple of stories that indicate that he was probably right to as well. They, uh, we all made a mental note. Do not upset Turkish football fans. Kieran, we love an optimist on this show. Well, we, we just love an optimist. So hats off to the chief executive of QPR who has sent a letter to fellow championship clubs in an attempt to cut their £42 million FFP fine. Now that is optimistic. Sending a letter is Optimistic for a star. Is now I've got a Christmas card this morning, so why he sending a letter I don't know. But it, it, it does seem that is, it's that 42 million pound right? Is that the size of the fine? I, I should have queried that because it, it seemed huge as I was writing it down.
0: Well, it's a 42 million pound settlement. Oh, okay, so we have to be a little bit careful because, um, what. At the time, there was there was a lot of shock, and people were say, saying And just to give some of the backstory, Queens Park Rangers were relegated from the the Premier League in in twenty thirteen, um, and under normal circumstances, you, you'd look to sell players, cut wages, and so on. But instead, they said, "Well, sod that for a game of soldiers." Um, and in 2013, 14, they were they qualified via the playoffs. Mm. Um, Bobby Zamora, uh, ex, ex ex of our my parish, of course, yeah. scored the winning goal. Um, sh- should we mention the name of the side that they beat?
1: Let, let's let's not. Let's not. Yes. Let's not. Um, <laughs> just, just. Oh no, actually, there's, there's going to be an oblique reference to them in the next question, anyway. So, yeah, it okay. is Derby County. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it is Derby County. Um, and um, uh, when when QPR published their accounts, they paid out seventy-five million quid in wages that season, which was one hundred and ninety-five percent of of revenue. Um, The second highest was $41 So they just completely obliterated any form of competitive balance in terms of wages being paid. Um, They they retained their staff, they went back up, and the EFL weren't happy. And one of the things that they did, which they claimed to be within the rules, was that the, the owners... Uh, were owed money by QPR. And the owners said, well, you don't have to pay us back. And QPR said, thanks very much. We're going to treat that money that the owners aren't asking for us back. We're going to treat that in the same way as pie sales. Mm -hmm. And and they just added it effectively to revenue. And in their books, they qualified for FFP. So there was then a a four-year tiff between the EFL and queens park rangers um and and les hoose who is the the qpr chief executive he he said we we didn't use creative accounting well actually they did use creative accounting we were cooperative um um we didn't try to drag out proceedings so well if they did not try to drag out proceedings why did it drag out over four years (laughs) um so you know he he's claimed that they've been treated too harshly and then he said oh yeah Manchester City and PSG and Inter Milan they got off easily well Manchester City and PSG both actually had to pay pretty big fines they had squads uh, they had squad reduction sizes for the Champions League and things of this nature um to so going back to that 42 million pounds um one of the laughable things was that the there were still outstanding loans from the owners and uh the EFL said right as as part of the punishment more of the loans which which are never going to be repaid you have to treat them as not going to be repaid um so it's it's it was a bit like uh you know me giving me giving one of my kids a deposit for to buy their first house um and saying yeah 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 repay me when you can afford to do so in the knowledge that i will be 6 feet underground before they even get to think about doing something of that nature uh, qpr they they were given a 17 million pound fine but that 17 million pound fine will not be fully settled until 2028 so when you work out its its capital value, i.e., you know, it uh, seventeen million pounds in 2028 isn't the same as 20 as 17 million pounds in in 2014 when the offence occurred. It works out about nine and a half million. And, and then they're also moaning, oh, you know, we've had to go and pay three million pounds in legal costs. Well, if you hadn't appealed, if, if you hadn't dragged this out for four years, it wouldn't have cost you three million pounds in legal costs. So uh, the settlement was, was never £42 million. Pounds. A lot of it was self-inflicted and a lot of it, a lot of it was just a, a counting sleight of hand. Um, so I did, I, I've never had a lot of sympathy for them because, of course, upon being promoted, they got another year of Premier League TV money. And uh, yeah, because it was 2014, they, they then get you know, three to four years of parachute payments. So they made well over 150 million pounds in terms of the benefits. Um, so I, I can't see the logic behind Lee, Lee who's saying it, we've been treated harshly.
1: When you say Karen, okay, well, it won't be settled in full till 2028. Is that because they're paying it in installments, or is there a, that right, Okay. So what what do they hope to um, achieve then? by sending a letter to fellow championship clubs. You know, and as we know, football clubs haven't been particularly sympathetic to other clubs who are in any sort of financial problem recently. I, I think they're saying that because there has
0: been uh, a change of ownership, because uh, a, a bit like Roman Abramovich with Chelsea, they had owners who treated Queen's Park Rangers as a trophy asset. Sure. Yeah. You know, as- as a means of uh showing off their wealth uh, entertaining their friends and things of this nature and there was a really good documentary i remember seeing a few years ago yeah, yeah. about the nature of the owners it was it was you know, it was a cracking watch yeah um they sort of then lost interest they said well we're not willing to put any more money into the club which meant that it So, you know, in the last few years and again here you, i i do give credit to to Lee Hoos, um the club has been run on a pretty even keel by championship standards. You know, championship standards are not normal business standards. Um, so, so they have certainly cut back uh, in terms of expenditure. And they're saying, well, well look, you know, we, we're reformed characters um, uh, over the course of the last two or three years. Uh, you know, Surles has, has become involved as well, and I'm a huge fan of Serles. Um And, uh, you know, therefore, can, can you cut us a bit of slack? And the, the reaction from uh, other clubs... Uh, was sort of a yeah, a very quick raspberry, and and when there was a meeting, um, I think the conversation the conversation was described as terse. <laughs> now, I I've had terse conversations with ex girlfriends, and yeah, uh, you know, they they've never ended well.
1: You know, at least they ended. So there you go. Um, I, I I feel I should point out that the Sir Les you're talking about there for is uh, Les Ferdinand, of course, uh, in case some of our more elderly listeners think you are referring to the great Barry Humphreys character, Sir Les Patterson, <laughs> uh, which are who the, oh, I would love to see Les Patterson running a, a football club. Um, <laughs> yeah. Google it, kids. Uh, we've, we, uh, we were hoping not to mention our friends in the East Midlands today. Uh, we have done accidentally, but our friends in Northwest Greater Manchester do unfortunately get a mention. That's Wigan, of course. Uh, and the administrators that we can now estimate their fees will be 1.65 million, rising to 2.2 million if there's a successful sale. I was I was worried, Karen, when accountants use the word estimate, uh, because I'm guessing I'm guessing that it will end up being at the top end of the estimate.
0: Yes, uh, the the administrators published their latest report, uh, so that went out. On company's house, and uh, as you rightly said, initially they they were looking to, to they they estimated their charges. Remember, this doesn't include legal charges and surveyors' charges and estate agents' charges. They estimated their fees to, to on a time basis to be uh, around about one point one million pounds, um, and and that was working out as around about yeah about 380, 390 pounds per hour, which is uh, which is quite steep. Um, and the the Wigan sale collapsed. Now the administrators had given a potential owner exclusivity. Now, if, if I was doing that, I'd take a huge deposit. Yeah. You know, if so if somebody wants exclusive rights, then I'm I would ask them to pay me a sum of money um, along the lines of if you walk away from the deal. It, you, you will, you will, you'll feel it. You know, it will be, it will sting you. But one can only presume that they've not done that because the prospective owners did walk away um, from the deal, which means that now they've got to go and circulate the sale again. And, and we, we have spoken about some of the parties who we're aware of who are interested. Um, but on the back of that, the, the administrators are saying, well, because we didn't manage to sell the the club the first time round, uh, it's going to involve us with with extra time, and therefore our fees are going to go up by half a million pounds and if we do sell the club as opposed to just selling players and the training ground um our fees uh we we, we say that they're going to go up by a third which means that they could go over two million pounds now well if you're selling a house you agree a commission with a estate agent and yeah, if it takes one month, three months, six months, um, just because the estate agent fails to sell the house, they don't then come back and say, "Oh, sorry, mate, the, the buyer pulled out." Um, it, um, it's going to cost you an extra, you know, twenty grand for for, for the uh, for me to find you another buyer. So it, it does seem that uh, the the administrators are, are very much, uh, you know, having it uh, on, on their terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they would argue that they need particular unique skills to sell a football club um yeah you know, my my experience is is that every business is unique so therefore you don't need to claim that you're the only kids in town when it comes to selling a football club the administrators are also saying that um the money is, is being paid by uh al young um or sort of intimating that the al young was effectively funding the sale mm. but um I, I, that doesn't seem to follow either um, and the big losers here are going to be the unsecured creditors. Mm. Now, if if Wigan, uh, if if the Wigan administrators pay a dividend of less than twenty five percent, Wigan will get a further fifteen percent penalty. So they seem to have set a bar as we, yeah, we if, if we take out two point two million, we can still pay twenty five percent. But if, if they if they Sold the if they sold the club and took a lower fee themselves, then the unsecured creditors, who who are the you know, the, the the honest, trusting uh, creditors of Wigan, might get more than twenty five percent. So I, I do think that, uh, that these these sums seem very very high indeed. Mm.
1: Sorry, when you say you said fifteen percent penalty, did you mean fifteen point penalty sorry, or? No,
0: sorry, fifteen point penalty. Yes. Oh well,
1: good. Sorry, point. Of, I've, I've been doing jury service here, so I'm all over points, points of detail, points of. Um, but of course, I mean the administrators, of course, get paid if they don't sell the club, don't they? Eventually, if the club, God forbid, goes into receivership, the administrator or whatever, yeah, you know, whatever the next step is, the administrators will still get their. Uh, I nearly said pound of flesh, but that wouldn't be fair, would it?
0: well the, the 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 administrators to be fair they they do take on an element of risk when you when you accept an appointment in the sense that if you don't sell any of the assets then you can't take anything out of the business because there's nobody else to pay you but uh yeah you know, this would be there's there's no risk from the administrator's point of view because they've sold players for 9 million They've sold the training ground to to Preston North End, mm. um, and and now they've got the club in itself in the form of the stadium and and the the remaining facilities. So it was it was very low risk in terms of them not getting paid, and and they have been saying, yeah, you know, we you know, people don't understand if if we don't sell anything, we don't get paid. Well, if you've got you know a, a lot of talented footballers, you've got some prime property in the northwest. Um, and you've got a business which has is in an industry which attracts an awful lot of interest. If you can't sell any of those assets, you shouldn't be in the business in the first place. Mm.
1: Uh, before we move on, Kieran, I said there was no Derby news. I'm just checking there is no Derby news because I noticed there are a couple of uh, almost dark muttering tweets that you sent implying that there might be some Derby news coming up soon.
0: Um, now the the only the only Derby news is that uh, it looks as if Wayne Ro- Rooney is uh, taking a pay deferral okay. to allow the the other uh, other members of staff to be paid. Uh, so you know credit to him for to doing him. that. Yeah, he yeah. didn't have to. Um, and, and the noises coming out that uh, Derby will now have very uh, will have paid their December pay packets in full uh, appear to be. Uh, that that appeared to be the other uh, sort of uh, bits and pieces. So so it's actually I, I think for once you know pretty good news from from a derby perspective, um and, and from from the point of view of an independent fan, you know I hope there's lots more good news and that they find themselves some new owners and they can just get certainty. You know the stories that have been doing the rounds uh, haven't been particularly uh, glowing, um, and some of some of the documents which have been forwarded to me. Um, have been from vested interests. Like, and I can't really say more than that at this stage. Okay. Uh, vested interests who I don't think necessarily have Derby County's best long-term interests at heart.
1: All right, well, let's let's leave it there and uh, say we it's good news. Anyway, they've paid December's wages excellent. Now, Kieran, I'm sure you can imagine that I, I enjoyed many a playful text and WhatsApp message from West Ham fans last night. Oh, turns out I've got a lot more friends who support West Ham than than I thought. And, and, you know, I was, I admit, I'm not proud of this. Reduced to having to say, well, at least my club's not run by pornographers. But, you know, they trumped me by saying, we've got 13 more points than you have. And frankly, I'd rather have the points than the the moral high ground. Um, But if I'd known this was coming up, I could have said, well, you're not getting as much money for Sebastian Haller as you thought you would. Ah, so take that and take your three points (laughs) back to East London (laughs)
0: with you. To be Fair, they did. Yeah,
1: Yeah. exactly. Stick that in your pornographic pipe and smoke it. Uh, Yeah, so... um, They're not getting quite as much of the £20 million transfer fee that Ajax paid for Sebastian Heller as they hoped. No,
0: um, we've 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 established that uh, in modern football, most deals are on credit, and and this is actually one of the one of the issues which has sort of been raised by by some of the listeners. Um, West Ham bought Sebastian Haller for an estimated forty five million pounds uh, in in the summer of uh, twenty nineteen. I think it's fair to say it's not been uh, a glowing eighteen month career. No. Um, and they've sold him for twenty million. So, so they were taking a bit of a hammering from that. Um, but it turns out that uh, they were buying Haller on installments, and therefore, um, when they've sold when the, the, they've sold him to Ajax, it looks as if uh, some of the money from Ajax will actually end up in the hands of Eintracht Frankfurt, who, who they bought uh, Sebastian Haller from. And it then turns out that, Sebast- that uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, again, had taken the IOUs from West Ham and they'd sold them on to somebody else. So you end up with these sort of daisy chains of, of transactions. Um, and my concern in respect of issues of this nature is that if you've got a long daisy chain, um, it only takes one party to to fail to make a payment on time, and that uh, there have been stories that West Ham didn't pay the instalment that was due on Haller this summer. Um, that, that things could uh, have a bit of a domino effect in, in European football. Now, there's no evidence of anything of that nature taking place in respect of West Ham. They're doing really well at present. David Moyes has clearly uh, has done a, you know, a very good job this season. Um, and I know West Ham fans are sort of itching to to see um, the the proceeds of the sale of Sebastian Haller get reinvested in in uh, expanding the squad, but they're not going to get the twenty million because they're going to have to go and pay some of it across to Eintracht Frankfurt's IOU people. Um, but also, I went into the small print of West Ham's accounts, and before they signed Haller, they had outstanding creditors in respect of players of eighty seven million. Um, I know that the uh, the owners have put money into the club. Now, whether that's at an interest rate or not, we don't yet know. And they've bother- bother- borrowed from other sources. So, yet yeah, they have had a, a pretty tough time financially, although on the pitch they're doing uh, extremely
1: well. Yeah, all right. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you'll be getting messages from me if you lose to Fulham tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'd expect that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine with your six points. You'll come away with the six points. Don't worry. Um I didn't even know, Kieran, that the San Francisco 49ers had a stake in Leeds United, but not only do they have a stake, they've increased it to 37%.
0: Yes, this was this was very weird. Um, they I think they originally bought nine point nine percent, then they increased it to fifteen a couple of years ago, um, and, and they paid relatively low amounts because uh, they originally invested in Leeds United when the club was in the Championship, and therefore the club was was estimated to be valued at around about eighty to a hundred million pounds. Um if the stories are true I mean certainly the, the increase they bought a further 22% for uh, around about 50 million pounds so that Gosh. that values Leeds at around about 260 270 million and that ties in with with my estimates because if you think that Burnley went for 200 Gosh. and Newcastle who've been more established in the Premier League are going for 300 you'd expect Leeds to be closer to the Newcastle value than, than that of Burnley because they've got bigger ground capacity, they've got uh, more of an international support base and so on. Um but the the logic behind the San Francisco 49ers investment um you know, th- this this is a curious one. Uh you know SF 49 is a uh, is a very successful brand in in the United States. Uh it is uh, it is successful from a financial perspective. Um, and, and I think what San Francisco Forty Nine see in Leeds United is a club with a lot of potential, but that it needs cash invested now to start to realise that potential. Because before um, uh, Rad who's the present owner, came into Leeds, uh, the, the club was subject to, uh, I think it's it's fair to say, a, a game of pass the parcel mm. through by a series of owners who were just looking to make a quick buck um and some of those owners uh even claimed that they didn't own the club when they did own the club and and it was it was it was a lot of head scratching taking place but the trouble is if you're only going to buy a football club for a year or two and try to sell it on at a profit the first thing that you do is that you you cut back on spending on the stadium and the training facilities and things of that nature because your 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 attitude is i'll let the next sucker play pay for those Hmm. costs now what San Francisco 49ers has said yet yeah, we're in this for a longer haul um, we think that we can use our commercial now to make leads a bit of a name in the US um, you know preseason tours things of that nature um, to try to get more of a horrible word this a, a, a digitization form of monetization of the club, i.e., to, to get fans who are, who are not living in in the close vicinity to to buy more and invest more and to to get involved more with the club, so therefore it picks up more details about them. Um, and and San Francisco are you know they're they're very smart cookies. So this is an intriguing investment. Um, Mr. Radrizzani still retains control. He believes that Leeds could be worth uh, a billion pounds in a few years' time. But, for me, that begs the question: well, if you think it 's be worth a billion pounds in in a few years' time, why are you selling twenty two percent valuing it at two hundred and fifty million now? So, I suspect it 's due to the fact that he 's not got the cash to take leads to a competitive level. i know they 're keen to break into the top six whereas the the money from the san francisco forty nine is it could be used for for investment on the pitch, and also to make Elland Road, which has got 20,000 you know, season tickets that they can't sell because uh, you know, uh, demand exceeds supply, uh, if, if they could revamp the stadium so it goes from being a, a thirty-seven to a 38,000 capacity to somewhere close to 60,000, that's going to make them more competitive uh, in the medium term.
1: Yeah, or the San Francisco 49ers could do what the American co-owners of Palace did, which is promise. Uh, an awful lot of money, and then virtually disappear a year later, essentially. Yes. Wonder, where, where are they? It's hard to track down those people. We'll get going to the case. Now, you mentioned that West Ham had some transfer creditors. Uh, they're not the only ones, because Barcelona's latest accounts show that the club owes €174 million, Euros, I believe that would be, in transfer fees to 19 clubs. Is that because they haven't paid or because those transfer deals include payment over several years? Um, it's it's because
0: it is on an installment basis, uh, but it does look as if Barcelona have been buying players on tick. That 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 is common in the game. And and normally you say, well, it's not an issue because we're making a lot of money from ticket sales. Um, We've got a club which is open seven days a week And, and Barcelona, if anybody's ever been there. Um, you know, it's it's got it's, the, the stadium tours, the museum, and so on attracts an awful lot of traffic on non-match days, and and this is something which I think clubs are trying to work on um, more and more. I, I, I was talking to to somebody at a club last week who said that uh, you know his uh, his family there's some Spurs fans in it, uh, so he thought I'll, I'll take them to the new stadium. This this was you know pre. Final pre-lockdown, where we are at present. Uh, this was when they started to to re- reduce some of the the the, uh, the restrictions on, on movement. Um, and you said, "Well, we, we we got there. We thought, oh, we'll we'll do the roof tour, you know, because you can walk across the roof. Um, and then by the time you from there, it takes you directly. And this is very this is the Disneyfication of football." Um, it takes you, when you finish the roof tour, it, you, you end up, the exit, you have to go through the megastore. Yeah. And in the megastore, they've got the photographs of you on the roof. So, uh-huh. of course, you end up buying those. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, this is, you know, Alton Towers do this, Disney do it. Um, so it is showing that, that some clubs are, are trying to, to sweat the assets, which I know is a, is a phrase that us football romantics don't like. But, uh, yeah, and he, and, and this guy said, well, by the time I'd done all that, I was 250 pounds out of pocket. Yeah. On, on a non-match day yeah. um, and and this is what Barcelona have been very good at doing historically because uh, it is an iconic stadium and, and they're, they're very good at things of that nature um none of that money's coming in Um, they are more reliant upon ticket sales than than clubs in the Premier League um and, and as well as having money outstanding uh, in transfers um they are they're owed or rather, they owe seven hundred and thirty million pounds in short-term debt. So some of the some of the press comments say, well, "Does this mean that Barcelona are going to go bust?" Yet my viewpoint is, do you want to be the bank manager who phones up Barcelona to call in the loans? Because you know, but the Barcelona fan base, which is huge, yeah. is, is gonna weaponize against that bank. So if that's Santander, every Barcelona fan is going to take their 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 custom away from Santander. So I, I don't think that Barcelona are going to go bust. Um that they certainly have made efforts to cut back on their wages um and they they're trying to come to some form of arrangement with some of their lenders, but they are in a in a pretty sticky wicket, as are Real Madrid. Um, and as is practically every club in France, with the exception of PSG, because the French TV deal is making no progress and and they're really suffering at present. They're having to borrow from the French government.
1: Mm. Uh, a couple of seasons ago, a friend of mine, uh, Palace season ticket holder, visited the... Palace uh, Trophy Room and the Barcelona Trophy Room on consecutive days. Uh, and Central, uh, To be honest, Kieran, even with the red and blue striped shirts, it was very easy to tell the difference between them. <laughs> it, it didn't take us a long time to work out which one he was in on any particular time. Um, Dundee United fans have voted overwhelmingly to, and I believe the official accounting term is, bung the club some money.
0: Yes yes that that is the the official term yeah um hats off to everybody in in the Dundee United Supporters Foundation yeah. um that they, they gave the club I think 100,000 pounds in June 2020 um Scottish football is it is struggling uh, as as is all uh, forms of football and remember that the Scottish TV deal it is it is pretty minor compared to what we see in the Premier League, um, even compared to what we see in the Championship. So um, there's not a lot of money coming in. Um, The the manager, the the superbly named Mickey Mellon, um, has taken a pay cut. The players have taken pay cuts as well. But the the club has still gone to the fans and said, is there any way that you can help? Um, So the Supporters Foundation held a vote. I think 92% of people voted nearly ninety nine percent of people said yes let's help Yeah, it's our club we we want there to be uh, a dundee united yeah. um uh, 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 so therefore they they found sixty thousand pounds immediately and um they're going to do a load of fundraisers a lot online a lot via subscription to try to give another forty thousand pounds to the club um over the course of the next few months and, and you know my, my hat is just firmly doffed in their direction it it's this is the sign of this This is an act of love yeah this is this is the nature of the relationship that we have um with with our football clubs um and and the fact that you know the, the players and the managers have have made sacrifices, i think fans have re- have acknowledged that and they said, well, we will try to make sacrifices and pr- and provide financial support as well
1: yeah normally i 'll get quite nervous when you use the phrase act of love but in this in this situation, <laughs> it's probably the only phrase you can use. And th- that is a very good story. And if any Dundee United fans are listening and there's anything we can do to to help or help publicise, then, of course, we will do that. Our final story, Kieran, and it gives me no pleasure to to say this, but your club, the Seaweed, made a big financial loss last season. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, our, our results came out at uh, 10.30 on a Tuesday night, ah. which, which <laughs> I thought was a song by The Cure. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah they 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 came out um on on tuesday night and uh the cost of getting to the premier league is is eye watering as we know yeah. because you 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 unless you you have some good loan signings or some uh, really good players coming through the academy it's going to cost you a lot of money um but staying there is also proving to be uh pretty expensive as well so yeah brighton lost 67 million pounds um in in 2020 of which around about 25 million, they're saying, was due to COVID. So therefore, it was still losing 800 grand a week, regardless of COVID. Um, And that appears to be sort of broadly par for the course from what we're seeing. Southampton have lost over over 70. Spurs, who have got that amazing stadium, and remember, they had that amazing stadium open for three quarters of the season. They lost a load of money, and they were in the Champions League as well. Uh, Everton lost over 100 million. Um, and it, it just goes to show that the the belief that the the Premier League is paved with gold is actually a myth. Um, once you get there, unless you do a Norwich and just say, well, oh, we got to the Premier League. We're not going to spend any money yeah, on players. Yeah. Isn't it fun? And accept that you're going to go down. Um, if, you, if you do want to stay up, then then it does become um, a, a pretty costly exercise, unless your name is Burnley, who every year uh, you know, managed to, to pull out a profit. And yeah, as I've said to you on, on more than one occasion, in my view, um, historically, they've been the, the, the best run club in the history of the Premier League uh, in terms of being a a, a provincial club. And and I did do some sums, which showed that since the Premier League started, Burnley are fifth in the profit table. Uh, So you think of all the big clubs that have been there, and and for Burnley, who have only been there for a few seasons, to to have made the fifth highest profits in in the history of the Premier League is, is testament to the way that that club has been run, from a financial point of view. And and I appreciate there are other views about what the
1: priorities should be. Do you know what, Kieran, when we have a quiet news week, and please God we will one day eventually have a quiet news week, we should actually spend some time investigating why Burnley have have been so efficient and so successful because it it does make you wonder why other clubs don't follow their example. But we have no time for that now because I have to let you go to watch your sex pointer. Uh, You've just got time to have, I imagine, what would be partridge, grouse, this, this... Cold January evening. What are you having? For t- or have you had your tea yet, Karen?
0: No, no, no. I've, I've, uh, I've made some homemade soup. Nice. Um, it's, it's mushroom and leek with a uh, with a Chinese mushroom powder to sprinkle on the top. Um, so it's very nice Uh, it it does go down well and uh, with a little bit of ciabatta of course to go with it and and, yeah I'm looking forward to
1: it you've got umami written all over that haven't you you've really gone heavy on the umami flavours there Uh, we won't we won't do anything other than say say stay say. that's easy for me to say Uh, say stay safe because you've got to rush off so if you have any questions for our next pod which will be on Monday which of course is all about questions on any aspect of football finance whether it's uh, non-league football Sunday league football or Barcelona, or FIFA, who whoever else is questions at priceoffootball.com. Uh, in the meantime, it behoves me to say good luck to Fulham tonight. Uh, I hope you lose 6-0, Kieran. <laughs> That's I, I, I would be gutted if you said anything else. Good, of course you would. It's only banter, isn't it? It's just banter, Your Honour. <laughs> <laughs> Manter, we're all lads together. Yeah. <laughs> See you soon, everybody. Bye. The price of football. My son football.